Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Hello, everybody. I am here with one of my favorite people, favorite politicians on today's show, our returning guest, Senator Dwight. Would you like to introduce yourself real quick? You are very unforgettable, so I'm pretty sure they remember you. But just in case, you know, to put it out there. Oh, I appreciate that, Issa. And I'm I'm happy to be back on Every Block Rising, happy to be having this conversation in spite of the nature of it, I know it's a little rough, but uh, greetings, everybody. Dwight Bullard, I'm the senior political advisor of Florida Rising, former state senator, and just fan of the show. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. So last Tuesday, we had election day. What can we, what happened? What happened there for the people at home? So what happened? Oh man, there's so much to unpack there, right? So Florida, you know, went epic Florida, right? Like, you know, all the all the things we joke about with Florida just happened, right? You had a bit of a red wave in the state. Ron DeSantis got reelected, as well as the other constitutional officers. Marco Rubio got reelected in spite of candidates that were working in opposition of them, right? And I don't want to spend too much time getting into the whole civics thing, but what I would say for folks who may have voted for Val Demings or voted for Charlie Crist, or voted for some of the other statewide candidates that were running, I think the question becomes, do they feel as though they were voting out of obligation? Do they feel as though they were voting because they just didn't want the other person? And that is part of a longer conversation that we need to have around the quality and the messaging that ultimately will get people excited about voting. A lot of what I heard, and I think you heard on the ground, was like, I don't want to vote. You know, it's not a big deal. Or these people, you know, no, no one's talking to me, or I'm not hearing people talk about the things that I care about. And all that is true. Unfortunately, too often times, politicians aren't listening to people and where people's pain is stemming from and turning that into policy or at least the commitment to address those concerns in a real way. And I think Tuesday's results were reflective of one side putting their foot on the gas. You know, like you got to understand, like the Ron DeSantis of the world, the Marco Rubio's of the world really do believe in what they're doing. Scarily enough, taking away a woman's rights to choose, messing over immigrant rights, finding messed up ways to mess up classrooms with the Stop Woke Act, trying to put a an end to protesting. They really do believe in those things. And the thing that the other side, of the people who believe that those rights are not guaranteed, is that idea excites them. The ability to restrict, the ability to limit, the ability to, to, to check people who want to be free, to not allow trans kids to be their whole selves, to not allow gay and lesbian folks to be their their whole selves, to talk about things like dismantling social security for the older folks, like they believe that kind of stuff. And it's fuel for their base. The question becomes, what's the fuel for our base? 
Yeah, and that's what I wanted to ask you, because if we look at the race of Ron DeSantis and Gillum, the difference was extremely minuscule, right? But if you look at Chris and DeSantis this time, it went like <laughs> it went yeah. off the board. And so do you think, genuinely speaking, that we are ready to not be represented by somebody who is moderate? Do you think Florida is ready for a real progressive candidate that's going to listen to the people and that is going to turn all of those pains into policy, as you say? Well, that's, <clears throat> that's the crazy part about it is I think we get into these terms of like moderate versus progressive versus conservative versus extreme, you know, and all the things. What people want is somebody who's going to deal with the issues I'm going through right now. COVID happens hospitalizations happen, people are losing their grandmoms, their tias, the tios, to this disease, right? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the 82,000 people that died, right? That aren't going to be at Thanksgiving dinner, aren't going to be at Christmas, that we lost over the last two and a half years, many of whom didn't have to die. That really never came up in this electoral conversation, right? Like a real reckoning. And, you know, we're from Black and Latino, we believe in our ancestors, right? We believe that they're like amongst us, right? So the idea that we can't have a conversation about how we lost them and who's responsible for that, because Ron DeSantis bears some of the responsibility around why those folks died and didn't have to. Let's talk about job loss, but more importantly, let's talk about mental health as it relates to jobs. The idea of people trying to keep a roof over their heads also remain employed, but also not suffer depression or the consequences of that because of both, <laughs> right? The inability to afford an apartment and the fact that they were not being paid high enough wages. People weren't talking about that in a real way, right? Neither yeah. side. But again, you have one side that doesn't care to talk about it. And then the other side that just chose not to really lean in on how are we going to fundamentally change that for people? And so for that reason, we kind of find ourselves in this in this state. And I'm not saying that that's it, but to your point around Andrew Gillum, part of the reason why people appreciated the Gillum campaign was he was talking about marijuana legalization and decriminalization, right? He was talking about paying teachers higher wages. <laughs> he was talking about housing affordability before it became a crisis, right? This idea of like, how do we deal with those things? And he was doing it in a meaningful way and talking to people directly in community. Where I would argue that there were missteps in 2018 was because campaigns become so nationalized, he kind of like stopped doing some of the grassroots stuff, right? And so for folks like you and I, we're hearing these things on the ground and in a perfect world, it is now somebody who's thinking about running for office coming with us to hear the same things we're hearing and turning that into something that wins. And the, the politicians that do that, one, we think about the squad up in D.C., AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, they keep winning re-election because they keep doing the same thing, which is talking to community, understanding the challenges in the community and wanting to do something to solve those problems, then going back to the community and saying, hey, here's what I've put out. Is this what you would consider a good move? You know, Bernie Sanders, same thing, right? Like 
You know who I think does an excellent job at this? Rebus Kamani. And she happened to be reelected. And what was very, what was, like, I remember, I don't even live in her district. And I would tune in to her office hours on Facebook Live. And I learned so many things about the state of politics and the state of Florida that it was mind-blowing to me that somebody would take time of their day to just sit down for a couple of hours and be like, do you have any questions about what I do? What is it that you need? One of the races that surprised me the most was Carlos Guillermo Smith, because he also is extremely grassroots. But, you know, in that case, I would argue that redistricting, which you've talked about on, on other episodes, but people need to understand when a district gets redrawn, you're basically now talking to a new set of folks. Um, and so right. in the case of Carlos Guillermo Smith, his district used to be almost all in Orange County. It basically included most of UCF in that area. His district now was split between Orange and Seminole County. So all these folks in Seminole had never voted for him before. And so right. now you're, you're introducing yourself to a whole new electorate. And not to say this message wouldn't work, but had he been given the time to hit community, have town hall meetings, and really kind of like speak to people about the things that he's been fighting for, I think the outcome would have been dramatically different. Yeah, and those are the tactics that are used for us not to engage in the political system. And I wanted to take it back to something that you mentioned about mental health, right? We are at unprecedented unprecedented times. Most of the people I know are mad depressed. And the reason why they're depressed is because of their living conditions. Right. It is it is literally them, us, not being able to afford rent, people working two to three jobs, housing. I have a friend, her housing went up monthly $500 because there's no rent cap. Health, right? You, you, can't, you are closer to become bankrupt because of, of a hospital bill than you are to become a millionaire. And so my question to you is, why the are people voting against their interests? Well, they don't they don't realize they're voting against their interests. And I know that sounds very kind of like basic or like, how could they not know? But the other side, you know, the right has a very good reputation for stirring up chaos and creating fear, creating distrust. So to your point. A landlord jacked up your rent $500. Instead of you being mad at the landlord and trying to figure out how do I address issues around why does the landlord have so much power, the other side will simply say immigrants crossing the border are causing illegal problems. And so people will sit there and be like, that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's not the fact that my rent is $500. It's the fact that we're spending all this money on these 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 mysterious immigrants cr- coming across the border when that's not anywhere close to the truth, but it's human nature, right? You know, what I mean, like you want to, you want to blame somebody, want to blame somebody or something for why you're having all the all these troubles, right? You know, like the no, like the notion of mental health, bringing it back full circle. You know, depression is very much an intrinsic thing, right? That we have to figure out what's going on with us that is causing it. Could be food, could be sleep, could be <laughs> Physical ailments could be the fact that our brain is chaotic, right? But sometimes we'll be like, it was my ex-boyfriend. 
that's who's causing me the end. I'd be like, right. it was yeah, a breakup. <laughs> yeah, there might, and that might have been a contributing factor to why you're feeling a particular way, but that's not the total answer. And so we have to do the hard work individually and collectively to start really addressing what are the real concerns that are that are out there and who's the real boogeyman, right? So an example, right? If you're working at a job and they're not paying you a livable wage, what these politicians were telling folks was, well, you need to find a better job as opposed to being like, pay me a livable wage, <laughs> right? When your rent's going up $500, $600, $1,000 a month, instead of saying there should be some accountability for landlords or government should intervene to make sure that affordability is in place, people would just simply say, well, you need to go and find yourself another place to live. So forget the fact that it was going to cost me $10,000 out of pocket to try and find a place that was $200 cheaper than what I'm paying. <laughs> like, forget that. You're just simply telling me, just go do the other thing. And so it's it's this weird combination of those two, because in, in truth, sometimes that works, right? Like, you're absolutely right. In an abusive relationship, you should be able to just walk away, right? Um, but that doesn't work when we're talking about things that are that are impactful in your everyday life that government can intervene in. And so for us, we got to figure this thing out is what is it that I need? And this, this is the kind of two basic tenets of political education. What is it that I need to help me thrive? Forget survive, to help me thrive. What is it that I need? Food, water, shelter? Is it a better job? Is it like, what is it that I need? And then in these people that are asking for my vote, where can I find somebody who's actually working on the things that I need? But yeah. for us as the individual, we also have to be courageous enough to ask the question. Like, you can't be like, what do I need? Let me keep it to myself. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, let me just, let me think about what I need and just hope for the best. No, it's, what do I need? Let me make the demand. Let me tell these people, here's what I want. And if their answer in turn doesn't reflect that, then that's not the person I should be voting for. And I think that's one of the major breakdowns to your earlier point around why people don't vote for their own self-interest is because they're not communicating their actual self-interest and allowing somebody else to tell them a different narrative. That makes sense. That makes sense. We live in a society that we are taught that we're responsible for everything that happens to us. So maybe I deserve a job that doesn't pay me anything because I'm not working hard enough. You know, there are people that are working harder than me and they deserve the money. And this like type of merit thing to have a house, to have food on your table, that should be a right, right? And I think the reason why this economic system is so successful is because it makes us believe that there is absolutely nothing we can do to change it because these are just the way that things are supposed to be, right? And it seems like we can escape it. And so what do you say to the people at home, you that are more experienced and that you have seen all of these things taking place? What can the people hope for? How do they get, how do we get out of this? Well, to your point, everyone deserves particular rights, right? We talk about, you know, we get very romantic about American history and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and one nation and justice under all and all these other things that we like to quote and regurgitate all the time about like patriotism and the American 
experience. But the one thing through line that I think is common is the fact that unlike other governments, we have a right to continuously petition our government. You know, so when people move here from other countries that are run by dictators, when people move here from places that that they don't like and come here, the one thing that makes it different than what they may be accustomed to is the fact that you can say it. You right. can speak it, right? You can actually speak your truth, speak your mind, and as a result, vote to change that that dynamic if you need to. But again, going back to the point I was making earlier, people have to get out of the habit of thinking that a politician or that government knows. Correct. They don't, right? We have a citizen-run citizen run levels of government. That means we're electing somebody, you know, who's a neighbor, who's from a county that we live in or a city that we live in to go and be our voice in a representative body. That doesn't mean that person just knows what you're going through. Exactly. You know what I mean? So if you're a person who's living check to check, don't make the assumption that because that congressperson is from your community, that they understand the plight of you living check to check. Because they don't. <laughs> right. Right? You got to go tell them why it's important for them to advocate for certain things. And so that's, that is the drumbeat that we have to keep pounding with folks is that you have the right to say what you need to say. You have the right to protest. You have the right to petition. You have the right to go into your commissioner's office or your representative representative's office and say, hey, this is what I need. How are you working to help me and make my life better? And too often times we don't do that. And instead, we allow ourselves, unfortunately, like we saw in this election, to have fear and distrust and disinformation be the thing that leads us down this road, that creates apathy, that creates discontent, that creates this momentum that gives the other side this belief that what they were doing is right. And what's scary about it and what people need to really be concerned about is that now for all the bad things that they've already passed, they're using this moment as a mandate. So now they're saying, well, I won by 32,000 votes in 2018. I did all this bad stuff and people loved it. So I'm going to keep doing bad stuff. So now your 15-week abortion ban becomes a full ban. When you, you're talking about access to health care, well, well, maybe we can put those restrictions back in they used to exist before the Affordable Care Act, when people were being disqualified for health insurance because of their weight or because of pre-existing conditions or because of the fact that they were just a woman, right? right? Like these are the things that people forget were the way of the world just a few years ago that are now starting to come back because we keep giving our power away to people who don't care about us. Right. That's true. And That's then we true. throw up our arms and be like, well, geez, why don't y'all care about me? It's like you you gave them permission. You keep giving them permission to beat up on you when you choose to stay out of the electoral process, when you choose to not vote, when you choose to not participate. You give credence to the bad things that folks do. So when kids aren't able to learn about the eradication of indigenous people or the enslavement of Black people, or the mass killing of Chinese people during the building of the uh, Transcontinental Railroad. When that happens, you got to remember, you you put yourself in a position 
for this to be the case. But I would say the argument on the the argument that we also have to make is why are those things important? Why is healthcare important? Why is education important? You know, why are the rights of every citizen, regardless of their orientation, gender identity, et cetera, important? And why should it be important for all? Yeah. So what do we do to move forward from this to wrap up? Show up and show out and not just on election day, right? Like, you know, I think some of the first steps that people need to take is recognize that you deserve, that you're worthy enough and you deserve power. You deserve accessibility. You deserve all the things that anyone else gets in the world. And what I mean by that is if you're sitting at home and you're sitting there saying like, I'll never be able to afford my, my to take my children to Disney World. You got to start figuring out what is it about that that you can change, right? Or even why? Why can I right. take my kids to? You know what I mean? Because there's a lot there, right? It's a lot there when we talk about is Disney World expensive? Sure, but it's also equally important. Around is there a public transportation model that could get me to Orlando cheap? You know, is there a hotel room cost that I can afford if I were to get there? And all of that is policy. And that's wild. All of that is policy. All of it. All of it. Even your concert tickets, the price of your concert tickets, your entry to Disney World, the type of transportation that you get, the quality of air that you breathe, the type of food that you put in your stomach, all of it is part of a political process. And I think... It is very intentional that we don't know that, that it is not made right. known to us. So we got to we got to take the reins back like that is that is it. Like and I don't want to oversimplify, it, but I also don't want people to think that it's a, a huge mountain that you have to climb. Like you have democracy requires participation in Ooh. order to function. Exactly. And if you're not participating, then you're con- you're conceding and giving away the very power that you have, whenever I would talk to like college students or even young adults, it's like, do you even know who your city commissioner is or your state rep? And of course people would be like, well, no, I don't. I was like, what is that? Like, I want you to think about that, right? Because I know if I was to give a friend $30,000 a year, if I was to give a friend $1,500, $2,000 a year of my money, I would like some accountability on how that money gets spent. And people don't think about that. That's literally what you're doing. <laughs> like every time you buy a bottle of soda, a candy bar, and you pay that seven cents in tax, that goes to the state and that accumulates to $112 billion annually. I'm just saying, listen. The reason I know who my state rep is, the reason I see them on a regular basis is because that's your money. That's my money. Like, don't play with my money. I need to know what you're doing with it and how you're spending it. Yeah. And people got to people got to think basic stuff like that. So call to action real quick. One or two. Call to action is, you know, when organizations like Florida Rising say we about to ride up to Tallahassee, because we're trying to hold folks accountable, get on the bus with us, right? And we're not the only ones, whether it's Miami Workers Center, whether it's Center for Popular Democracy, you have a multitude of organizations that are trying to hold people accountable, but they can't do it just with staff. They need people like you, everyday people, 
hey, Kitty, <laughs> you need people like you to show up and show out, right? And so get on the bus with us, be a part of the journey and the level of engagement. And then the second thing is know your worth. You know, I know it sounds very kitschy and very like, like it's a hallmark card, but know your worth, right? No one deserves to live in squalor. No one deserves to drink dirty water. No one deserves to breathe polluted air. And if you believe that you're worthy of being treated a particular way, then you have to take the steps and make the demand for your life to be different. And, and this is an opportunity for you to do that by being a part of this, by understanding that it's 365, that it just can't be about the one day you voted and then let me go back to acting like everything's hunky-dory. It is go to that town hall that is being called in your community to ask the question why. Go to that person's office who your tax dollars are paying for and ask the question why. Make the appointment with the politician who says they're out there working in your best interest and ask, ask the question how. Because again, if we're now in 2022 and we've been operating with a particular set of rules, a la Roe v. Wade, for 50 years, and now you're telling me that I don't have those same freedoms anymore? Why? Why is that the case, right? If you're getting mad because your university campus is now putting unisex bathrooms on campus because they recognize that people are choosing to live in a more gender-fluid society, and you're mad about that, ask yourself internally, why? <laughs> why are you mad about somebody else getting rights that they deserve <laughs> or having rights that have been in there for the whole time? We got some development work on our own to do, but I think it's also important for us to hold the other side accountable. So those are the two things, like know your work, know why you need the things that you need, and then more importantly, open your mouth and fight for the things out there that you're deserving of. Yeah, you're right. We deserve good things. We right. truly, truly deserve good things. Thank you so much, Dwight, for spending a little bit of time with me, and I'll see you around. Thank you, Issa, for doing this. And, and everybody check out Every Block Rising. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us, make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member. Until next time.